Well, we're back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're here with Father Larry Uber, and we're talking about evangelization, but a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Where are we at, Father? What is our age, if you will? Yeah, when you're going to evangelize, you got to figure out what you're doing as far as what, 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 what's, the, what's the, uh, the obstacles in evangelizing. And the fact is that we're, we're in apostolic age right now. We're in, in paganism, and anything goes. So that requires you to do small groups. In Christendom, you used to be able to do these institutions, schools, hospitals, St. Vincent Paul's, and it would spread the faith, but those don't work anymore. And so now we're in apostolic age where it's sodomy and anything goes, whatever it is. And so you got to uh, do small groups and do it fun things too, like potluck suppers and that whole axiom belonging leads to believing. Yeah. And that's the key there. Father's well, got a great book, but look, apostolic age means it's up to you at this point. Don't rely on somebody else. It's up to you. Why? You're baptized. What's the name of that book, Father? Uh, from Christendom to Apostolic Age. 90 pages, great book. But remember, it's up to you. Go do it. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, I am your host today, Peter Carruth. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We are here live in studio with Father Larry Huber again. 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 Um, my monthly uh, time to meet with you. Thank you, Father. It's so good to see you. I, I got to tell you, I really look forward to, to this time with you. And we are going to be talking about evangelization. Evangelization. That's right. We still and, need and to do that? We still need to do that. <laughs> we always have need to do that since the beginning, right? Right. Since Matthew, uh, yeah, what does Matthew tell us about that? And Matthew tells us in the Great, Great Commission... Uh, and I will get it here in a, in a second here. Great Commission. Uh, here, we, here we are. Uh, meanwhile, the 11 disciples set out for Galilee to the mount where Jesus had arranged to meet them. This is after the resurrection, resurrection remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they saw him, they fell down before him, uh, though some hesitated. Jesus came up and spoke to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There's the great command coming up. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. And look, I am with you always, yes, until the end of the age or end of time. So our Lord is telling the apostles and and by... um, and, and, and by telling the apostles, he's telling us that we are supposed to go and spread the gospel to who? To everyone. Yeah. That's 
evangelization. Yeah, it is. And people would say, okay, I'm all in on that. Now, how do I do that? Yeah. And uh, I want to start off with the audience of this really important book that came out a couple years ago. It's called From Christendom to Apostolic Age. It's it's written by the University of Mary. Uh, That's a really... uh, uh, rock star of a university up there in South Dakota, North Dakota. And uh, we think it's written by Monsignor uh, Shea, uh, although he doesn't, he's doesn't. he got his name on there, a little bitty place, one <laughs> point. He's very a humble man, evidently. <laughs> but he wrote this little 90-page pamphlet of a book, and uh, it, it is amazing. So he starts off with basically describing the history of the Church and in three major parts. The first part was the Apostolic Age— and that was from the time of Jesus, his resurrection, and then until the time of Constantine, the great emperor, became Christian. And then the church, for, for the most part, uh, was uh, stopped being persecuted like she was right, the right. first 313 years. She was an underground church. Uh, she was a covert church, and they, they didn't have institutions at all. They had to go in small groups. And little by little, through these small groups, these small pockets of of Catholics, they evangelize a good chunk of the Roman world. And scholars, uh, historians have taught us by the time Constantine came around, it was 40% of the Roman world was already Christian. And even up to the very end, the Christians were being persecuted. Right. But there was a certain strategy when you're not when you ha- you're not the dominant political and social thought, you had to be covert and sneaky, uh, and and small groups had to be the uh, the predominant way that you evangelize in in people's homes and everything else. And remember what the dominant political and social economic thought was during these first three hundred years. It was basically hedonism. Mm-hmm. That's right. It was uh, sodomy. It was uh, uh, we were talking about Caligula. He was the first transgender guy. He he was kind of crazy and everything else. And I think he had a thing for his sister. It was just it was nuts. It was hedonism, and marriage was not venerated like like the Christians brought it into the world. Uh, babies were not venerated. As a matter of fact, there was this thing called exposure where if uh, if a Roman man didn't want his baby, for whatever reason, maybe the baby was a girl, didn't want the girl. You just put the baby out in a public place, and somebody picked the baby up and took care of it. Fine. If not, it was literally food for the animals. That's how bad it was. Right. I mean, the, all of these excesses, you know, whether it be gluttony, where you eat so much that you even go and vomit. Vomit you know, out. When, and the children are not not venerated, not valued. You, you said they— die of exposure. Yeah, they literally just abandoned them. But who was generally picking up those children? It was the Christians, It yeah. was the Christians, yeah. right? And in the pagan Roman world, too, they uh, they were really scared of death. And they weren't around—they didn't hang around dead bodies. And that's where the, the uh, Christians said, okay, well, since you're not going to hang around these cemeteries, and we're going to use these cemeteries, and we're going to celebrate Mass and everything else. So that was kind of interesting, too. It gave them an opening there. When, when Constantine uh, issued the Edict Milan in 313, which basically gave uh, religious freedom, no more persecution with religious groups, and then his, his mother, St. Helen, uh, really helped, and it brought the church out from the underground, and, and she was able to come, and, and now the church was able to be such an influence that, that now 
Christian marriage was was valued more. And and again, Christians didn't do a gr- uh, a perfect job in venerating marriage, but they did a heck of a lot better job than oh, yeah. than the. Uh, I want to get back to during uh, the Emperor Claudius during the the apostolic time during the pagan times. He actually wrote a, a a document begging Roman men to marry Roman women because we need we need Roman citizens, and they did. And and basically the uh, honeymoon was just basically a rape scene. It was not rom- romance at all. And then the Christians brought in romance where we venerate women. Again, we didn't do this perfectly. Uh, uh, we we had a long way to go, but at least Jesus through these these devout Christians brought into the world. Uh, taught the world how to venerate women and how to venerate marriage, and 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 then because we became the dominant political and social economic thought, now we can build these institutions, and we built parishes, and we built eventually we built St. Vincent de Paul's, and we built schools, and we built hospitals, these institutions, and they spread the faith horizontally. And I, uh, we we have Pope Leo. We just celebrated his uh, his uh, anniversary. Pope Gregory later, they would send missionaries out and establish institutions, parishes, and and it would spread the faith from one generation to another. Institutions worked when you're the dominant political, social, economic thought. Somewhere along the line, though, and that's the age of Christendom. And somewhere along the line in the 20th century, apostolic age came back into existence. Paganism came back. Uh, in 1973, Bishop Sheen uh, made the comment, we are no longer in Christendom. He made that comment in 1973. And many of us were thinking, no, he's wrong. We're still in Christendom. We're still dominating. We're still the dominant Christian thought where we venerate marriage and, and children and and everything else, and, and sexuality, we venerated in a healthy way, in the way Jesus—but it wasn't. It was, the sexual revolution was occurring in the 60s, and this whole pagan mentality now is dominating our culture, and it probably was dominating it for a long time. So then when a parent of, of a, a Christian— uh, a parent would take their child and do what you do during Christendom. You take that child and you put him in an institution, a Catholic institution, and then that that institution would take care of your child, and then that child would grow up to be a devout Catholic. And there was even stud- surveys that said that if you wanted to ba- have your grandchildren baptized Catholic, you had to send your children to a Catholic school. And it used institutions used to work. Well, somewhere along the line in the 20th century, those same institutions quit working. We don't know exactly when there's uh, different opinions. Some people think it, it happened as way back as 1920. A lot of people would say somewhere in the 60s where the sexual revolution happened, where uh, Catholic parents were sending their, their children to these institutions called Catholic schools, and they assumed that those that would work and those kids would grow up to be Catholic. Well, we all know that how many times do we have children and grandchildren, they're not practicing Catholics anymore mm-hmm. because yeah. we're, those institutions don't work. Now we got to go back to a different mode of evangelization, and that evangelization is small groups, just like the apostolic time. We, we can't 
rely on institutions anymore. And it starts, as you said, Father, it starts uh, in the home, right? At this stage of the game, and my children went to Catholic school all all the way through college, literally. But we cannot rely on anyone to educate our children. We parents are responsible for the education of our children. And, and I will tell you, I had talks with administration, with uh, teachers, with sisters, with theology teachers, because I am responsible for, responsible for my children. Correct. That's it. Full stop, period. And we can't rely on, on the institutions because, as you said, and this book characterizes, we are now back to the apostolic age where we need to take responsibility. I'll tell you this. My daughter went to the university, both of them went to the University of Dayton, a Catholic school, a good institution. Mm-hmm. She's in a theology class, and she, she called me, and this girl has never asked for help with homework since she was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. She called me during work, which she never did. She said, I had a problem with my professor, and she showed me references from the catechism, and I'm wrong. We're wrong. Mm-hmm. That's what the teacher was teaching. What, what the teacher was teaching was wrong. Victoria, my daughter, Victoria, she, she said, no, you know, no, you're wrong. And then what yeah. happened, actually, is the professor wrote an email to all 72 students and said, apparently, our intrepid Victoria is wrong again. Oh, wow. And then made the references from the catechism and with the uh, links. So I took time off of work. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it later. I did. I did it right then. And I read them, and the catechism was wrong. I read the second one. I thought, that can't be true. The catechism is wrong. I had a little bit of a crisis of faith, frankly. I said, catechism can't be wrong. So I dug a little deeper, and this tenured professor was, was fooled by a fake site that purported to be the catechism and oh, was wow. not. Right. Yeah. This is this this. So my daughter went and, and confronted the the professor, and she wound up apologizing to everybody. But the point is, we are responsible for the education of our children and the faith of our children. Mm-hmm. We cannot just abandon that to to the institutions. That's, we are back to the apostolic age. We are, and of course, the church teaches that the first uh, teachers in the ways of faith is the parents, and but the parents were shucking that duty for these institutions during Christendom. And again, it worked. When you're when you're in the age of Christendom, it kind of makes individual members lethargic. Yeah, right. And and they they they're not on they're not as on they're not as passionate about the faith. We're now because we're in apostolic age, now we're back to paganism, hedonism, uh, craziness. Craziness. Now we whoever the members are, they can't be lethargic anymore. They either got to be on in the boat or and be passionate or get off, and and that's just the way it's going to be, and that's why there's so much dissension with family members. I got it with my family, my twenty and thirty something year old nieces and nephews. They're they're not practicing the faith, and then it's difficult for me to be around them because I'm all in on Jesus. Obviously, I'm a priest, uh, and they're not. They're not going to church, and and it's just the, the and and they all went to Catholic grade schools and high schools. And it just it just didn't work. And it caught I had a conversation with my my brother, and he said, Man, if I knew this was going on, I would have changed things Absolutely. differently. Absolutely. And I would have been more intentional and everything else. So the apostolic age now, parents have be has to be more intentional than they were during Christendom. 
We got to, and we parents have better, can't give what we don't have. We better work hard to make sure that we're getting it too. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I am your host, Peter Krutz, and this is Father Larry Huber, and we are talking about evangelization. You know, Father, we started out talking about the early church when there was persecution, and when, you know, when we go to Mass and we receive the Eucharist, we say amen, which means I believe, but in the, in the, original apostolic age, when someone said, I believe, that meant death for them yes, and for their families, yeah, right? So we are in a period of time where when we proclaim our faith, when we say, I believe, get ready for persecution. Yeah. It's here. I, and I'm not being hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. It is here. It is. It is. Absolutely it is. And the because we're in apostolic age, and Archbishop Rosansky pointed this out too in one of his, uh, uh, you know, he ta- he writes every week in a review, and he he made reference to this too. So he's he's definitely aware of this situation. And uh, when you're when you're in apostolic age, and there's no getting around it, we are. You maybe in the '70s, if you told somebody that we're in apostolic age, they're like, ah, no way, no way. But now everybody's like, oh yeah, we're in apostolic age, where we're back to everything is. Well, when you're in apostolic age. You, the members are going to be, there's going to be placed more demands on the members now. I mean, think about when you're a, a, a grade school parent, Catholic parent, you can just do the lethargic thing and just drive your child to the Catholic school, drop them off, and then go do your Mario go thing and then pick them up at three o'clock. You can't do that anymore, raising your children. You have to be more intentional. It's going to demand from you, the Catholic parents, if they want their children to be baptized or be practicing Catholics, and they want their grandchildren to be practicing Catholics, they got to they got to they got to kick it up more. So they, what do they got to do? What do we parents? Have, what do we adults have to do? How how is this being in the apostolic age changing what we need to do to grow our faith? And and before we get to that, one oh. more thing too, if you don't mind too. Yep. The other thing, too, in, in apostolic age, too, you're doing something that's important. Yes. And, and in business, when, as you know, you're a businessman, uh, Peter. When you do something important, you don't do that by yourself. Right. you got to bring a team. Sure. And so as a priest, I'll hear people, I'll hear mothers especially say, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And, and you didn't do anything wrong. You, you were caught off guard like my brother and sisters, you know, they were caught off guard. And most well-meaning Catholic families, they were caught off guard that we, well, I, it worked for me. Why didn't, I, I, why didn't it work for my children? Because we're not in Christendom anymore. So, but if you're going to do something important, bring a team. And so when I have a, I have a, a grandparent just, just recently said, man, I'm trying to get my grandchildren back to the church. And I'm trying to do, and I'm, I'm, I, 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 and I'm like, you got to change that to we, we, we. When you're, when you come up with an idea on how to evangelize your children, your grandchildren, don't come up with, well, how am I going to get this done? Throw that question out the window. You're going to, you, what you do is you figure out who am I going to get this done? Who are going to be the who's that I'm going to get together and, and put together this team to go after, in a, in a good way, to go after my children and my grandchildren. Who's going to do that? That's the important thing. When you come up with an idea on evangelizing at your local parishes, your local area, don't come up with how. It's going to be who again. Who, what is going to be the team that we're going to get together to help us get this job done? 
And that's the key there to evangelizing. And then with that, then, evangelization, too, I want, I want to tell people, too, is urge them, make evangelization fun. It doesn't have to be pulling teeth here. Have a, um, have a potluck dinner at, in somebody's shed, you know, pole barn, whatever it is, uh, at their house, or rent something and just have families kick in to rent and have them rent and then say, okay, listen, let's invite our children or grandchildren and potluck it. And we got texting, we could do group texting and have a potluck. And then when you when you do the potluck, you know, have a, a rosary. Everybody does a rosary and have each have a family do a decade. Will you do will your family do this decade a rosary? And will your family do this decade? And then with form and with other videos with internet, you can pop in a 30-minute video and have everybody watch it and then share. You can do that. I belong to I'm a chaplain with this uh, group of, of Catholic couples from St. Clair called Tools. And it's called, uh, uh, it's basically totally, uh, oh man, I can't remember, uh, it's uh, totally Our Ladies, for Our Ladies Leadership or whatever it is. And it's basically a program for, for couples. And these couples get together once a month, these Catholic couples, and they have highs and lows. They, they, so they go around, the, 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 there's like six, uh, half dozen couples, and each one of them tells their highs and lows for the month. And then they read a book. Right now, this particular Catholic couples group, I'm, they're going through the devout life of St. Francis. And they're reading a certain amount of pages. And then they're, they're sharing, well, this is what I got, this is what I got. And then they end with prayer. And, then, and, uh, and they, they had this crucifix. And, they, and they, they, each one grabs the, the crucifix. And they, while they hold the crucifix, they I want to pray for this, this, this. And they go to the next crucifix. And they end with the uh, Magnificat of Mary. Whatever it takes, stuff like that, that's what we got. That's fun. It is fun. You know, and we're starting something similar to that uh, at Incarnate Word. We're on the second week. We started out with a kind of a, a dinner a date night, if you will, and then now we have the second night. We're gonna, we meet every other week for 12 sessions, Yeah, and it's couples getting together, right? These are That's what you're talking about, Father. It's called Beloved. Okay. And but it, it's very it's organized like you're saying we we have a little get together we have a uh, conversation about what we're going to talk about there's a short video and then there's two breakout sessions one with small groups of couples and then another breakout with just the couple but that's what you're talking about father rather than leaving it to the institution we are now bringing it to the apostolic age where you have the small group groups absolutely the small groups here's another cool thing too uh, I hope uh uh, I, I got moved down to uh, Immaculate Exception Park Hills 10 months ago, and it's been great. People have been wonderful. And I'm, I've always been connected with a lot of Jefferson County families. And, and one of those families is the Surdikes. Uh, they're a big, prominent family in southern Jefferson County there. And uh, the Surdikes, they have a pole born, and they say, well, hey, let's do potluck. And, and, they, and they did an All Saints. It was All Saints. And everybody dresses their, these, these adults dresses their all saints, their favorite saint, and they did silly things like, uh, uh, you know, some, one, one uh, wife brought in a hammer, and she's like, her, her, and, and her saint was uh, St. Joseph the Worker. Yeah, you know, some it. some simple like right. that. You yeah. know, what, make it easy. Yeah, it, it was. You don't have to get crazy. Some some of them did, yeah. and uh, but it, and then at one point we socialized. We had some adult beverages. We we ate the potluck supper, 
And then at one point, then we got around in a big circle, and and then each one, each person, the, uh, the couple, uh, they said, "Okay, I'm St. Joseph worker, and here's a little tidbit of information about him." Or um, I'm St. Hubert. He, one guy dressed in camels, uh, camouflage, and he's St. Hubert. Hubert, and here's what his story is. And one of them was St. Cecilia, and she had uh, marbles, and she had the eyes, you know, and, and, yeah, and there, just, just stuff like that. It's just fun stuff. And, and we're talking about Jesus with all these couples through the lives of the saints. I mean, that stuff is just pretty cool. So that's what we got to do is just keep doing these small things. Uh, when I was at St. Joseph's in Winsfield there in, in Josephville, we did, pot, we did bonfire rosaries. Bonfire rosaries. Yeah. And, and these uh, couples came, brought all their kids— and we surrounded a rosary even in a, during a dead of summer, and we did bonfire rosaries. We had a potluck supper. Everybody brought their potluck supper. We did a pray to rosary, and all the kids saw this. That, that's, I mean, that's great. And, and you know, we we can you, like you're saying, we can have fun with this. Absolutely. I, I was uh, uh, participating in. Uh, uh, I used to teach confirmation. I mm-hmm. did it for twelve years, but now I just go in a couple times a year and I do what they want me to do. So I talked about the saints, and and I was. Trying to have fun with these kids, and we did. We had a ball, but I said, "There's a there's a patron saint for everything." There is. There so really one, is. One of my favorite ones is Saint Gabriel Pacetti. You know, he is the, and it's good to pray to the saints who don't get a whole lot of traction. Yeah, guess, that's right? right. He's the patron saint of. Are you ready? Sharpshooters. Sharpshooters. You know, you got a patron saint of everything. You right? do. You, you know, do. It, it is fun. You know, Father. It, today was cold. First start. First cold day in a long time. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I remember when I was a young man in Chicago, and it was one of those first cold days in Chicago. And in there, the wind just just Ooh, drills like you down Chicago, to the bone, right? right? Yeah. And I remember I was going with some friends. We were walking up to a party. And in Chicago, you know, if you can park within a block or two, it's good, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're walking there and walking there, and, and I'm getting colder and colder <laughs> and, you know, just thinking, why didn't I wear some gloves? You know, And we're getting... Closer and closer, but I'm becoming more and more uncomfortable. But as I got really close, I could hear the music, mm-hmm. right? And I got closer, and it was louder. And I heard voices and laughing. I got to the door, and I rang the bell, and somebody opened the door, and they were smiling, and there was light inside. Yeah. And and I realized there's a smile on my face, and I'm happy. Yeah. That's what evangelization yeah. is. We've got some great joyful stuff here. Absolutely. And when, when we welcome folks in, we're actually sharing the joy. This is a great this is the good news, right? It this is. is good stuff. So when we evangelize, we are doing it in a joyful fashion because it is great stuff. It is. And Have it, fun with it. Yeah, what a joy to be around people of faith. I mean, if you if you feel down and out. Just hang out with people of faith, and they'll they'll lift you up, right? Absolutely. When I was in the seminary, I always loved to uh, uh, to uh, sh- sh- learn about my faith. Right. And I went in at the age of twenty five. Was a, I was a delayed vocation and everything, and and I could like, wow, this is so so much cool stuff here. This faith, yeah. and I couldn't wait to share with people the faith. Yeah. And I thought this is going to convert everybody. Yeah. It it doesn't. Uh, what you got to do is that that whole axiom belonging first right and then leads to believing and that another axiom say that again belonging me. leads to believing ah. so we got to get our folks to belong first and belong to community of faith and then the believing which i love our our beliefs are just awesome but the belonging's got to come first 
that's the key there. And then the whole axiom, too, of, uh, of uh, people don't care what you know until you know they know that you care. Who said that? Because I, I, I say that all the time. I but know. It's true. It's I don't know who started that true. one, but it's so true. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Uh, the other thing, too, was uh, I love, too, is God's calling us all to do this. And what is it? Uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'm so glad you said that. I hear the music. We're yep. going to talk about exactly that when we come back. Because I'm sure some of you out there are saying, uh, I got it. I understand what you're saying, but that, you know, that's not my that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not what I can do or what I should do, right? But I'm, I'm, we're going to challenge you a little bit to, to open up your hearts, open up your minds, and maybe tell you a few stories of what you can do. So as you see, we are talking about evangelization, and it's fun. Uh, and we're going to give you some tips and trips, tricks on what to do. But more importantly, this is something we need to do, right? The Great Commissioning is to us. We are in the apostolic age. We can't rely on somebody else. It's our job. We're baptized. It's our job. Call a friend. Tell them to join us. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. I'm trying to rush through the introduction. This is Father Larry Huber, and we're talking about evangelization. So important, so much fun. And uh, But first, before we get back to that, let me just tell you about an event that's coming up. It's uh, It says, do, you, do this in remembrance of me. It's a Eucharistic event. It's on December the 10th. It's at St. Norbert's Catholic Church. 16455 New Halls Ferry Road. Look, give us a call if you need to have some information about this. Uh, we'll, we're happy to give it to you. It's 636-447-6000. Uh, let me tell you who the speakers are. Father tells me. Don't forget that. So Archbishop uh, Carlson uh, is going to be there. He's going to be talking about Our Lady of Loretta. 
And then we have Monsignor Midas, who's going to talk about Eucharistic miracles. I mean, there are some cool things. There there. is. You know, if someone's going to say, you know, believe in the science. Holy smokes, there's some great Lots of science. Oh, lots lots of science science. in this. And then two other priests, too. Father, I think you said you you knew these two other priests? Uh, I I don't know Father James uh, Matulski. But I do know Father Anthony Wick. He's a ter- terrific guy. He's down at the White House Retreat Center. Oh, down oh I have. I've spoken. We've had him on the radio. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Good yeah. guy. So anyway, so uh, it costs us $25. It includes breakfast and lunch. Of course, there's mass and uh, several speakers. Uh, as I said, Archbishop Carlson, I should say Archbishop Emeritus Carlson and Monsignor Midas and all these other gentlemen. Our Archbishop Carlson does a great job when he talks. He's he's just awesome. So yeah, yeah. you know I I gotta I gotta tell you he does. You know he he said a few things that have stuck with me. Anyway, six three six four four seven six thousand. One one thing I will say, and we're talking about evangelization. So Archbishop was at our parish, and he told us to remember five things. I think I only remembered two. <laughs> One of them, he says, if, if you're not reading Scripture, read five verses from uh, Matthew every day. Your life will be changed by the end of the week. The other thing he said That's is, awesome. and I had already done this. I needed his support, apparently. When you're at Mass, welcome somebody you don't know. Amen. Think about it. You know, that person might be there for the first time in years or might be thinking about not coming back or not, not feeling that, the, that they're in the right place welcome one person, right? He, he, it's great advice. It is. And the welcome doesn't mean you go up there and say, hey, my name's so-and-so. J- just smile at the person. And, sure. and then maybe afterwards run them down and talk to them after Mass. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'll tell you what I do just simply is I turn around to somebody I don't know, and mm-hmm. I'll say, it was really nice sharing Mass with you. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Really, much. and and you know what? My daughters say, "Well, you're creeping people out." <laughs> we did that at Ascension one time because we had to go somewhere. We went to a different mass, and and my daughter said, "Don't do that. Don't do that thing. Please don't do that thing." Well, what do I do? I turn around. There's a lady there, and I said it, and she looked at me kind of oddly. She said, "Oh." Thank you. And we're walking out. My daughter's hit me in the arm. Says, "You did it again. Why do you do these things all the time?" And I felt a tug. And it was that lady. Oh, wow. And she said, I don't want to bother you, but thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. She says, this would have been my 50th wedding anniversary. Oh. And I was feeling so alone. Oh. You know, our Lord will make it right. Yeah. You do it. Our Lord will make it right. Just something simple. That's like you're right. saying, a smile, a welcome. Yeah. We, the little things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I always tell, wherever I've been in parishes, I always tell families, now, I know this may creep you out, but I think the most beautiful thing in the world is families, mm-hmm. and I just like staring at you, so yeah. I hope it doesn't creep you out, because oh, I love families. It's good it's to great. see families. It is. Beautiful yeah. children of all ages, so yeah. But tell me, what do we got to do here, Father? We we, we got to get people to commit, right? Absolutely. Uh, we live in a world where we think, well, we got to get capabilities first, uh-huh. and we got to learn how to do this, and then we commit. Right. No. We got to do the opposite. We got to commit first, and then the capabilities and, and the competence comes second. That makes so much sense. Has anyone ever really learned their job before they started no. in the company? No. no. You got to commit first. Yes. There, there was a cool story I just heard. Just, just, I was at a family's house playing euchre, another evangelization yeah, right. moment, because one of the members is not Catholic, and I was trying to get him to be Catholic just playing euchre. Again, another small— It can be done. Yeah, Absolutely. And he was telling me about the story about he, he started this flooring business, and he, at first it was hardwoods. But then in the 
sixties and seventies, carpet came in. He never he said they said, You gotta learn how to lay carpet because I don't know how to lay carpet. Well, what he did was he committed. He went up to uh when they were building South County Mall, because uh, he's from Park Hills, he went up to watch these guys learn how to lay carpet. He got in a suit and tie because back then when you went shopping, you went dressed nice. Absolutely. And uh he went there and just watched them all day how to learn cop. He committed. And then he got the capabilities later. Now, I'm sure people don't want their carpet to be laid by somebody who's never laid carpet before, but he did it. And yeah. and then he became a he's got a thriving business now. I bet he did. But we just got to, you hear the stories all the time in business, right? You got to commit and then you'll learn. Right. Uh, I know of a wonderful lady that got in the she was just a teller. And then they said, uh, a bank teller. And then she, they said, the bank said, well, well, can anybody do this? She goes, yeah, I can do that. And then she moved up, she moved up, and then she became the president of operations. Right. And she just said, and she doesn't have a college degree. Yeah. She just kept moving up, and now she's going to retire here in a few few years. But that's the stuff, that's the kind of things that we got to get people to do is commit, or especially from our young people, right? Sure. And then the capability, that's what happens with the disciples. Right. They didn't have a clue on what they were doing. Oh, no, you mean our Lord didn't pick rabbis and scholars and scribes? And, no, he picked dirty, gruff, rough-handed fishermen. That's right, that's right. And they didn't know how to sell Jesus. They didn't know how to do it, but they did it. Yeah. And they, they fumbled and bumbled. You, yeah. can, you can especially see it in, in, the, in the efforts of Paul. He fumbled and bumbled his way through things, especially in his relationship with Barnabas or whoever oh, yeah. else, and 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 he was in and out, and and you get when you when you're fumbling, bumbling, and and you're you're going to get in arguments with uh, the people that you're fumbling, bumbling with, but you got to commit first, and then the capabilities and confidence will come at later, and 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 it makes you more capable by just committing. So we got to have the courage, absolutely, and the courage really comes with okay, God, what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to pull off a euchre outing with people, a car game, or a potluck supper? What do you want me to do here? Yeah. Let me tell you, Father, we were talking about being lukewarm this morning at our men's group. And mm-hmm. and, and you know what? I, I got to tell you, in all honesty, and for the majority of my young life, uh, when I was young, I mean I, I, I mean, I had a prayer life. I went to Mass. Sometimes I went to Mass every single day, but it was just me, just yeah. me and the Lord. And anytime I was confronted with an opportunity to do something a bit more step out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I would always regret it. Always regret it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, during the age of Christendom, you can be lukewarm. Yeah. But not in the apostolic age. No way. You have to either be in the boat or not. Yeah. And you you can't be lukewarm being in the boat with Jesus. Yeah. You got to be all in. That's right. Tell the Lord you're ready to go and he's going to find an opportunity for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the apostolic age too, that we're in, we're in a in a pagan world right now. Yeah. With the and that again, I want to remind the audience what that means is the pagan philosophy of anything goes is a dominant philosophy. It's no longer Christian. It's it's a warped sense of freedom that I have the freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want, sexually, uh, killing my baby, whatever it is, anything, anything. And we're in that now. Yeah. And that that warped sense of freedom. Well, when you're in that apostolic age that we're in, that pagan age that we're in right now, you top-down doesn't work anymore. Okay. It, it just doesn't work. Top-down is an institutional Institution down. down. Yeah. Even we, we got a great archbishop. We had a great archbishop with a—we uh, got a great one with Archbishop Rosansky, but he's not going to do it. Yeah. Top-down. There's we only keep, one of him. Yeah, there's only one of him. Yeah. And even pastors— uh, 
pastors can't do this. Yeah. I'm a pastor. Yeah. And we can't do this either. We need ground roots efforts from everybody. Again, when you're in an apostolic age, it demands from each member, more so than in an age of Christendom, we got to kick it up. Where do we kick it to? Yeah, and we do it fun in a fun way, too. Yeah. Uh, so you look at what you got at your house, or look what you got at your parish. Can we use the hall? Go up to the Father and say, hey, I want to do an All Saints uh, uh, trunk or treat, or uh, we want to have a bonfire rosary, whatever it is, uh, come up with it and be creative. And, and again, maybe it might be, let's call a group of people together, and let's meet every other week, and let's figure out how we're going to evangelize this area, whatever this area is. Yeah. That's the key, too. Don't try to do this on your own. So when you're thinking about this, the first thing you get, again, you need to think about is, who are the who's that we're going to get together, and then we're, the who's are going to figure— The group. We're going to figure out how we're doing Don't do this on your own again. And when we're trying to evangelize our parish— Let's get a group together and let's talk this out and have an evangelization group. And we don't, we don't need to ha- include Father. It'd be great. Hey, Father, we're going to put this group together, and we're going to figure out how we're going to evangelize in a fun way, yeah. in a sociable yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, again, all this is, is so important. And then the other thing, too, when you're evangelizing, too, when you're trying to figure this out, too, you can't evangelize big picture. You can't just— Take it in a macro way. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this in a. We're going to look at the parish or our area in a macro way, in a big way. No, you got to look at it in a micro way, microscopic way. And by that I mean is, who is going to be the low hanging fruit that you're going to go after? You got to be micro. You got to. You got to be pinpoint on who you're going to attack in a, in a good or way. Or engage. Engage, yeah. yeah. Who, who, who are the long, low-hanging fruit? Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And it might be your children. It might sure. be your grandchildren. Yeah. It might be somebody else's grandchildren, too. I think that's true. You know, uh, we probably all have family members who've left the church. I'll tell you, I'm not the person to bring my brother back to the church, no. other than maybe just by my example. And I don't, I'm not the person, frankly. But I'm praying for somebody to come into his life. Maybe... Maybe that's, like you're saying, somebody else's grandchildren, somebody else's children. Our job is to get other people into the church, as the motto of this particular ministry is, one soul at a time. But it for our family members, maybe it's not you. No, it's But it's, it's not. somebody else, but you can help somebody else's family But find member. the who that could do that. Right. And that's the key right. there. This, As you're talking, this reminds me, too, you know how the church has this tradition of sending a, a group of men and women to different cultures— to right. evangelize, yeah. for some reason, cross-cultural evangelization works. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it's like, um, I, I, if you grew up in a—I grew up in a small town, St. Genevieve. Right. And if, if I try to evangelize in St. Genevieve, that's one effort, okay? But if I get somebody who talks, who doesn't have that country accent— or maybe is Hispanic and has a little bit of a Hispanic accent, and they talk to those kids. Those kids are going to listen. There's a a, a young guy, uh, Justin Fatika. He's got a heavy Brooklyn accent, and when he comes to the Midwest, he's just going to grab your attention. That's true. And that cross cultural. Uh, he's an American. You know, he's he's several generation American, but he's from Brooklyn. He's got the funny Brooklyn accent yeah. for us Midwesterners, and and it works. He can evangelize kids. And and 
with that accent. Because he sounds like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's amazing. So anyway, cross-cultural. And, and again, but we can't always do that. we got to do what we can with the, the culture that we're in and the, the communities that we're in. And again, uh, uh, bring a team in and, and put your team together and figure out what it is low-hanging fruit there. So I want to reemphasize again the community that we started in Jefferson County, and we're trying to spread it again. We've been on this radio show a few times talking about this. It's called the Community of Transcendent Men. We affectionately call this CTM, Community Transcendent Men, and we got the name together after hours and hours of talking about it. And and these men are committed to uh, trying to get to develop a, a community of transcendent men where we can be better married men, buried a better priest for our, our females. And the community of transcendent men are they they all believe that we need to be a we need to step it up as men to be better masculine Jesus presence for our females not just the wives but to every female so that's sure. where, that's where Absolutely. our passion is so right. a lot of sometimes women think well you guys are fixating on men well there, there's two reasons because we believe that we need to be better masculine presence for you females because you just are awesome but the other reason is because us men we need a lot of help no kidding I mean we do yeah uh, more, of all the the the, the two genders. Matt, you need to have everything in place for the men to be better men. It's just the way it is, and only us men, Jesus men, can make us better. As Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so men must sharpen each other." Now we know that means women too, but but we the community trans. We need men, more help. We do. We're just a hot <laughs> mess. Just, all us men, that's you know, right. all us priests, all us husbands, uh, grandfathers. We all we, we just we need a lot of help. So, Father, you meet once a month. What's the easiest way to remember when you meet and where you meet? So we meet, first of all, I want to draw our attention to Catholic CTM. Okay. CatholicCTM.org. It's a Catholic Community Transcendent Men, so CatholicCTM.org. That's our website. And once a month, it's the last Tuesday of the month, we have our our big CTM, Community Transcendent Men, uh, event. And again, the, the schedule is on the CatholicCTM.org website there. We also have a Catholic CTM Facebook page. We also have a Catholic CTM uh, YouTube page, a YouTube channel. And where do you meet, Father? And we meet at St. Joseph Inn in Imperial. It starts at—the the, uh, gathering starts at 6.30, and, and then the actual talk doesn't start till 7.00. And, and we start off with a talk with uh, reading the, the upcoming— gospel readings that are happening that that upcoming uh, weekend, and then I'll give a little talk on the background, unpack the background of the gospel readings, uh, the uh, the first reading, the, the response to Psalm, and the, all the readings of the Sunday Mass. And then we move into our guest speaker. And in the past, we've had uh, Deacon Carl Keating talk, yep. Deacon uh, Bob Eichelberg talk, we had Father Paul, Mason. Father Mason talk, yep. uh, Father Anthony Wicks talk. Yep. Um, uh, Mr. Paul Masek talks to these men, give talks about different aspects of masculinity. And then after they give their 30-minute talk, 20, 30-minute talk, then we have these roundtables there, and all these guys will, will and then they're, they're called to, to ask three questions. And the questions are mainly just to spur conversation among the roundtables of eight guys that are there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, 
it's great talks and great speakers, great talks, and there's a wide variety of ages there. Wide. wide I mean, I saw it. there was a college kid at my desk. Uh, my desk. I'm always at work. College kid at my uh, table. There was uh, people my age. There were people in their 40s. It's a wide, wide variety of ages, and everybody brings their unique genius to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz. We're here with Father Larry Huber, and we're talking about evangelization, but but more from a particular standpoint. We're trying to recognize, see if I got it here, Father, we're trying to recognize that we're not in the Christendom age, the institutional age, where we can rely on... The, those those edifices and those churches that have got the program together, right? Yeah, that's there. It's still there, but it is not the dominant, effective way to evangelize today. It is the apostolic age, which is the individual, the small group. You know, we started out by reading the Great Commission. Our Lord has told us to go out and spread the good news to the whole world. That's us. Please, we, you know, I'm not a I'm not a member of the clergy, right? Yeah. But I know that by virtue of my baptism, I am called to evangelize, and and we're we're here to work with our with our priests and our bishops mm-hmm. and our deacons. But but you can't point at those people with the collar and the pointy hats mm-hmm. and say it's up to you. No, no, it's up to us. Yeah, we got to do it. Absolutely, and and again that when you say it's it, it's I like that last part. It's up to us. Us. The we. We, yeah. That we, we can do it. And when you're in an apostolic age like we're in, a pagan world like we're in, you're not going to make as much progress. Right. This book, again, for, from Christendom Apostolic Age, written by the University of Mary, but I think it was written by Monsignor Shea, but he's, again, he's too, he's too modest. Yeah. Um, it, 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 in the apostolic age, you're not going to make near as much progress— in terms of uh, numbers that you would in the age of Christendom. In the age of Christendom, you can build these institutions and you would have massive uh, people coming to the faith. Now, interesting enough, though, I say that on, on one side of my mouth, but on the other side uh, of my brain, I know that there's massive um, uh, con- conversions to, to the faith in the uh, uh, Middle Eastern world because of Mary. Right, that's right. I know that. Uh, but for the most part in our culture right now, in the Western culture, we're not going to experience as much success. Mm-hmm. But we cannot let that get us down. Yeah. we got to keep working at this. And when we do that, then it helps the individual. Yeah, you know, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. You know, it, the, there's an old saying in investing, the best time to invest is when the blood is running in the streets. Right. That's right. I think the blood is running in the streets here from a faith standpoint. Right. Absolutely. And and our efforts will bear fruit. We might not see it, mm-hmm. but it will bear fruit. This is the time right here, right now, where we need to invite people. And and let me ask you this. You know, uh, at our men's group this morning, there was a a guy. He had just gone back, gone to the axe retreat. Um, and, um, and and a couple of weeks ago, I asked the guy to lead lead in the prayer, and he says, "Well, that, that's not what I do, you know." And 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 we all are going to feel like we have certain gifts, and maybe evangelization evangelization isn't one of those. You know what? Probably not the forte of fishermen who who are maybe illiterate. Yeah. Right? You commit. God will provide, and God will make you capable later. And start start with something easy. My my friend. Uh, Tony Kester says, wear your crucifixes on the outside. Mm-hmm. 
you know what? Someone's going to see that. That's Someone's right. going to ask you about that. And you're going to all of a sudden, being a, you will be an evangelizer. Yeah. evangelizer. Yeah, definitely. So again, don't get discouraged because you're, just, you're just not going to make inroads. Yeah. And then in the process, when you put the we's together, yeah. this uh, community of transcendent men that we put together down in Jefferson County, and now we're spreading into St. Francis County, St. Jane County, and Perry County, and we're going to go move up to the southern part of of St. Louis County, we we just noticed that how much we, the men that belong to the board there, this Community Transcendent Men Board, we've grown as men. Right. And not only spiritually, but we've grown as men. We've held, we talked this out, and, and now we, we know how to evangelize better. And all these men now, were, they were fearful of, of bringing up things, hey, why don't you become Catholic? Well, now they know how to do that. They're, they're not fearful of doing that. That's right. So it it, it it you may not see the, the the fruit from outside you, but inside you you will see tremendous fruit, and and especially not only for, with you but inside the group you are hanging with there. Yeah, that's the important thing. So again, the, knowing that then the uh, the community transcendent men, we we did, we we thought once a month is not good enough. Uh huh. And so we decided we're going to do something more, and what we decided was we came up with these men's cross-training. Cross-training. Yeah, men's like – and yeah. now – so we got the CTM, yep. the Community Transcendent Men, and now we got men's cross-training, which is MCT. So we're, we're using the three letters there, but we're interchanging them. Yeah, mixing them up there. In these men's cross-training, they are designed to get men to meet more often during the month at a shorter duration. Right. So they're they're designed to meet at seven o'clock or whatever time they decide and end an hour later. And we started on time and we end on time. Gotta do it or else Gotta people do won't it. come. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we we convince the men, just tell your wives or your 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 family, I'm only gonna be gone for an hour. I'm gonna get my shot of masculinity and then I'm gonna go back home an hour later. Now I will tell the audience though that we start at six thirty five with the rosary every time. We call it a warm-up. Yeah. And then the rosary gives us 10 minutes before the 7 o'clock period starts, and then and then we start it. And what do we start with? We have, an, we have two main guys that do this. One's an MC, and he's the one that starts the, the rosary warm-up. And then he starts explaining. He, he does two or three or four minutes, sometimes longer depending on the man, why these men's cross-training are so important. And he gives his perspective on that. And it's two minutes or sometimes as long as six or seven minutes. Then he introduces, the MC will introduce the, uh, the, the witness speaker, and he'll come up and he'll give a witness talk. And he'll talk about where God was in his life, and he'll do so for about uh, uh, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, depending on the man. It'll be real short. He'll explain where he was when he was a kid and where he fell off, most of the time guys fall off, and, and then how God brought him back, and how because he made his commitment to the men's cross-training and the community of transcendent men, that it's made his, his family better. And then we have a call to action, and then guys can meet still, and then we have a call to action where they come back and we, we meet. So again, if you look at the, uh, the, the catholicctm.org, 
It'll explain that when when these men's cross trainings happen then. Well, well, Father, you told us a lot about what goes on in there, but let me tell you what I hear from the women. I hear this all the time. They say, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but he's a better man. And he's a better father. That's right. He's a better husband, and that is the goal. We work on it. We work on ourselves so we can be better men to our wives and community. So our, the music is here, and it's driving us off the air. But remember to come back and see us next time. Remember that you are baptized. You are an evangelist. We're counting on you. Our Lord is counting on you. Go. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.